Adam, and this is my wife, Brooke Fish. Uh, I think David has some, a photo of our Christmas card. Uh, we have been married for almost 13 years. We have two boys, Jude, he's um, the big one, and, and Liam, I've got my hand in his pocket there. He's seven. Uh, Brooke and I live together, obviously. We play together, we work together, and we serve together. Um, we both own small businesses, so we pretty much do everything together. Uh, to put it simply, our marriage was saved because of the trust we placed in Christ and our desire to follow him, be led by the Spirit, and live life in the light with his followers. So our story isn't your typical re-engaged story. Uh, we don't have a chair-gripping, heart-riching tale of relatable woe that many at re-engaged might expect. But what we do have is a story of hope for any of you that has ever looked at your spouse and thought, crap, what have I done? <laughs> that was us, year one, maybe even like first three, six months of our marriage. Okay, so we'll start with a, a story from uh, the early years, the, the first, the hardest year. Uh, it's 2003, um, like I said, the first year of our marriage. Uh, Brooke was on her way home from a stressful business trip at a job she um, was not particularly very fond of. I was running a little late on my way to pick her up, and when I received a call, um, I had a feeling I was in a bit of uh, trouble. Uh, Rather than tell her I was running late, I pretended like I had completely forgotten. Uh, Thinking was that that would be funny. Um, Not exactly sure why that would be funny, but I was thinking, yeah, that that'd be funny, and uh, and kind of divert the fact that I had I had was a teensy bit late. Um, In reality, I was just around the corner, um, and by the time I got there, it was very obvious that my joke wasn't funny at all. Um, so before returning home, we made a quick, quick trip to the mall to replace my wedding ring that no longer fit. Uh, I had jammed it playing basketball. Um, and I think there's a little bit of irony in the fact that my wedding ring was causing me pain. And at the time my marriage was causing me a lot of pain. Um, I don't remember the conversation that we had, uh, but by the time we got to the mall, I had to park about a quarter mile from the entrance. Uh, we were yelling, uh, so loudly, I didn't want anyone to see or hear um, what we were doing. I was hurt by what Brooke was saying. In, um, out of anger, I couldn't understand what I had done um, to deserve the way she was treating me, the way she was yelling at me. I had said that I was sorry. I, you know, I apologized. My babe, I'm sorry that I was late. Um, but what I didn't realize that was going through her mind was that her boss's boyfriend had shown up at the airport with flowers in hand. Um, it was before, um, you know, I don't know. Um, before you knew how to treat me like your very loving special wife. Correct. Um, and so me, I'm the husband, the boyfriend shows up with flowers, me, the husband, I show up with, with a, just a stupid joke. And um, so my uh, insecurity was blinding me to the hurt that I had caused my wife by not making her a priority. Uh, This was a very difficult trip for her, and she needed me to be there uh, to support and encourage her, um, and I had blown it. Uh, To me, it was a simple mistake. Um, To her, this was a a warning sign of things that were to come. Uh, It was the future of our marriage. She was scared and hurting. 
Yeah, I thought marriage would change him from this cute, funny boyfriend to a doting, amazing, ever-pursuing husband. I don't know what he was thinking, but I didn't even consider it, honestly. Um, so our problem was that we were talking at each other, but neither of us was being heard. Uh, we were hurting, we were angry, we were afraid at the state of our marriage. Uh, so before we move on from the tumultuous first year, I think it would be helpful uh, for you guys to understand a little more of our background and what we brought into the marriage. My parents were high school sweethearts and were married for over 45 years. My dad passed away from leukemia about three years ago. Um, My parents were both very affectionate towards one another um, and towards my sister and me. My dad was a great encourager and very loving. My parents had a strong marriage with lots of ups and downs from outside obstacles. Um, My mom has MS. My senior year, we uh, filed bankruptcy. We lost our home and we lost our business. But through all of that, they remained faithful, loving, and supportive of one another. Um, I learned what marriage was supposed to look like from them. My family went to church when I was young, but I never remember it being anything more than a back pew social gathering um, before my dad started having to work every Sunday and we became holiday Christians. Um, Overall, I had a wonderful, normal childhood until hormones kicked in. Um, I was boy crazy, insecure, selfish, and had hormone-induced fits of anger. I recently, like three weeks ago, learned that that's called PMS and it's real. It's a real thing. Um, this made junior high and high school quite the roller coaster. Uh, my teen years were totally engrossed in friends, drinking, and drugs. And I started working when I was 13. I put myself through college and soon began a career in fashion after graduating from the University of North Texas. I didn't think that I needed anyone, but I sure did want boys to like me. My freshman year in college, I found myself pregnant with my on-again, off-again boyfriend and having an abortion. Fear, worry, and anxiety gripped me, and my life-coping skills of control and anger and trying to take care of myself grew deeper roots. Okay, so when I was born, my parents were 19 and 20. They were divorced before they turned 22. My mom got custody and remarried quickly. I was living with them several states away from my dad by the time I was three. I would spend just one month a year with my dad until I was 17. I resented my stepdad for trying to be my dad, and I resented my dad for not being there. Uh, My relationship with my dad's only got worse as I grew older. Lacking a father figure and a directional compass for what a man was, I grew up constantly striving after things that would make me feel secure and happy. So those uh, attempts at happiness and security early on look like masking my feelings with drugs, alcohol, and pornography. In college and into adulthood, that turned into uh, performing well in the eyes of others through grades and then uh, later in my career, my job. Uh, by the time I was 24, anyone judging the appearance of my life saw someone successful. I had graduated from college. I had a a BFA in photography. I was living, working, and providing for myself as a photographer in New York City. I was traveling on shoots all over the U.S. and overseas. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart.
I have not made it through one of these without crying yet. So, buckle in. And we've done it several times, and it's still, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. Okay, things may have appeared successful, but the inside, inside, in my heart, I was convinced I was a failure. I was uh, deeply insecure. Oh, man. Yeah. It's always hard. Uh, wrestled with anxiety and depression. My thoughts would consume me. And it made normal things like going to work and engaging with others exceedingly difficult. Hmm. So, all that to say, uh, two years in New York is basically, I was striving um, under my own power, doing my own thing, and it's the first time in my life I kind of came, I came to the end of myself, and I started, and I talked to God for the first time, and I, I told him, if there was nothing more to life, I would rather be dead, because um, I, I, I was convinced there was a God, I was convinced that there had to be a better way, um, and I, I just asked him to help me. Adam and I met in college. We ran in some of the same circles and met through my old roommate, but we didn't date until he moved back to New York, or excuse me, back to Dallas from New York in 2001. We got reacquainted at a friend's dinner party and started dating shortly after that. Our first year together, we had so much fun. We fought a total of once. Um, That's how in love we were. Remember that? Um, That one fight was because Adam wanted to pursue God. And I was extremely fearful and so not ready. Um, After a series of long talks, we pursued God together without really knowing what that would look like. The next year, we started attending Watermark and we got engaged. Still, no fighting. Probably because Adam was super laid back, understanding, and a little bit passive, while I was controlling and fun and a little bit crazy. Uh, My mom likes to say that he is exactly what I needed and that he balances me out. So let's go back to the parking lot. We're a half mile from the entrance. We're getting my wedding ring. Um, We're screaming, yelling at each other in the car, um, and we've only been married a few short months. Things were completely broken, and we didn't have the ability to put things back together. Out of answers, we turned to the church. It was a humbling time, but also very comforting to realize that we were, were not alone and that we were normal. Through our faith and trust in Christ, And encouraged by our involvement in Watermark, we began the slow process of unlearning bad habits and replacing them with God's truth. If there was a marriage class or weekend workshop, we went. We dove headfirst into community, processing everything with the couples in our groups. We were growing and communicating better, but there was also still recurring patterns of of fighting and, and pointing fingers. John McGee gave us this little bit of sage advice that he probably doesn't remember. And if you ask him later, he'll probably deny it, but he did say it. Um, Whenever you're angry with one another, get in the bed naked and continue your conversation. It's impossible to be, to continue being mad and yelling at one another when you're naked. (laughs) Um, We've never done it. Um, but we have made huge strides in our communication and continue to do so with our clothes on. 
most of the time. Um, A few short years later, with the birth of our first son, Jude, everything seemed to fall apart. Um, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That was me. I was brokenhearted, captive, mourning, and in total despair. With the pleading of some dear friends and my sweet husband, I began attending Someone Cares, which is a post-abortion recovery ministry here at Watermark. For years, I had convinced myself that two of the biggest struggles in my life hadn't affected me at all. I thought my abortion was in the past, and I believed the enemy's lie, that my anger and my control issues were just who I was. Someone Cares revealed to me and Adam that my anger and my control issues were really fear. I wrongly believed that God was going to pay me back for the abortion by taking our son Jude's life. That fear led me to try and control everything around me. I began hitting myself and injuring myself, slamming my head so hard into a cabinet once that I split it open. I lashed out at Adam publicly one afternoon for his incompetence and inability to parent the way I thought that he should. That's when I realized I was completely out of control. My abortion was not only affecting me, it was seeping out and hurting everyone in my life, and it was killing my marriage. My fear caused me to believe that Adam rarely measured up, and I let him know it often. I emasculated my husband, and that fed his deep insecurities. Through Someone Cares, Christ and his amazing love changed my life. Um... I stopped listening to the lies in my head, and I learned what God really thought of me and how he loved and pursued me with reckless abandon in spite of my actions, past or present. So a big step for me was my time in regeneration. It's a 12-step recovery uh, program that Watermark has. Um, They meet on Monday nights. Um, I want to start with the verse. It's Ephesians 5, 8, and 11. For, one, for you were once in darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, so region, or regeneration, helped me take an honest evaluation of myself. I gained perspective on the lies that had become strongholds in my life. I found a group of men who I could trust, that, um, There were parts of me I loathed and I had kept hidden. Um, As I brought them into the light and through the power of his spirit at work in me, walls began to come down. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Region started me on a journey to understanding my identity in Christ. I gained a picture of what God, my true father, thought of me. Golly, here it comes. 
Okay, we're going through, we're charging forward. Uh, It delivered me from the bondage of unforgiveness. I was then able to both seek and offer forgiveness from my earthly fathers. It created a a hunger in me to know him more and dependent on him for my security. This is hard for him, but like I love this because this man has the deepest passion for the Lord and is so in love with him that it's all he talks about, like annoyingly so. Um, but it's awesome. Okay. Deep, deep breath. Okay, so the belief that God loves me really loves me. Really, really loves me. Okay? Uh, he loves all of you guys. Um, that I am his child. It's life-changing. It has forever changed me. It's a free gift. It's available to everyone. Um, it's, beyond, it's a gift beyond measure. Um, understanding who I am in Christ has allowed me to see Brooke from the same perspective that I now see myself. I see her, and I know that she has value, and she is loved equally by God. By being filled by him, I am equipped, and I am free to love Brooke as Christ loves me. So here's the deal. Even if we had days together to share, it would be impossible for us to encapsulate all that we have learned in our journey with each other and with the Lord. Like how Adam's depression and retreating inward caused me to feel like a single parent sometimes and how I should and could support him through that. Um, And our journey of trusting the Lord daily to provide for us as small business owners that don't get paid on a regular schedule and the stress that that can bring about. Thankfully, we chose to follow and trust him while learning how to love, serve, and care for one another. Things finally began to change when we pursued his vision and not our own. We stopped placing blame and started taking ownership for our actions and behaviors that were sinful. We looked at our own faults and how they could affect the other versus trying to just point fingers. Praise God we did. Had we decided to quit on our marriage, we would have missed out on so much. So much together. Um, God's plan is to make us holy, not to make us happy. And it's by his grace that we often get to experience both. Today, our marriage is defined by love and ownership. We own our mistakes and our failures while holding very short accounts. We seek forgiveness and understanding versus being right. We are God's children, and we take full ownership of that awesome responsibility. We have a long-term vision of our life together, and it is our desire that everything we do be guided and informed by Him. We want our boys to have a passion for the Lord, and we want others to know about the love of Christ. Okay. Big finish. Here we go. All right, so we can tell you story after story of how following the Lord's vision has benefited and blessed us, as well as the others who, have, um, who we have led here and, and re-engage. Please trust us when we say that it's worth it to fight for your marriage. Uh, you might say it's priceless. If you don't believe us, then perhaps think of it this way. One of, the, one of the ways we determine an object's value is by what we're willing to pay for it. Um, and 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that we have been brought, bought with a price. So we're talking about the creator of the universe having sacrificed his only son to pay for you. 
It's a dramatic pause. <laughs> so, uh, seriously, I mean, just think about it. I mean, the, in the Lord's eyes, every one of you has infinite value. Every one of you is priceless. So if you can understand that, you know that you're married to someone who's priceless. So your marriage then contains two... Golly, I can do it. Two priceless individuals that through God's infinite vision and wisdom, he has joined together as one. Because we know, uh, Matthew 19.6 says that um, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Um, So that's all we got. Thank you guys for letting us share. Thank you for putting up with me.